said and she said you need to pay attention If they make the comment then it's worth the mention Jamil and Shatora you know they got the scoop At work talking about what black people do If you ain't real then you probably won't feel this It's all facts you know they coming with the realness Or pettiness either way you are getting it Uncut, unfiltered, and unedited Lifting up the culture, you know how it's gotta be Making words work, give it to you tongue-in-cheek Forget that water cooler, we like tea sweet This is boss talk reserved for the B-sweet B-sweet, B-sweet Boss talk is reserved for the B-sweet B-sweet, B-sweet Cool it out or you'll end up on that B-sweet B-sweet it's the B Suite. What's good, Tori? <laughs> What's up, Jack? <laughs> What's going on? It's another episode of the B Suite podcast. Yes, we're on live and living color. Yeah, well. yeah, we're trying to do it different, even though we had hella tech issues tonight. You know, Jeez Louise, Jay, get it together. I'm trying to, you know, it's one step at a time, <laughs> one step at a time, but, we, you know, we're trying to get this thing together over here at the, uh, the Cruise Control Media. Uh, we got the, the lights flickering like the project lights right now, if y'all can see this right here. so It's, it's Halloween edition. <laughs> it is. This is definitely the Halloween edition of the B-Suite podcast. I, well, Halloween is coming up this week, isn't it? It's Saturday. It's a Saturday, right? Yeah. yeah. So all this stuff makes sense, you know, and this yeah. fits right into, you know, 2020 all together and all yeah, of the craziness was, 2020. It was craziness, but we still here. We are still here. Look, Ma, we made it. Yes, yes. yes. So what's been going on with you, though? How's, how's your week, man? Uh, I mean, you know, it's cool. Mm. I, um... I made sure that I took some time out over the weekend just to like get back to basics, get back to my. I little... saw you on social, y'all. Hike, hiking is life. Oh, hiking oh. is life. You had Sinclair, uh, like was, yeah. You know, Sinclair is my girl. Yeah, Sinclair. That's my girl. It. Sinclair belonged to these streets. <laughs> yeah, <know>? yeah. She, <laughs> Sinclair definitely be out in these streets. But so how was how was that? Just like you know, the weekend and, and just kind of. You're taking that time to yourself. How, how, how's that been? Because I know we talked a lot about in previous episodes yeah. about self-care and things yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. So I see you've been taking heed to that. Oh, for sure. Like the basics, yeah. you just, you got to stick to the basics, mm-hmm. you know? So I got a little bit away from meditation and stuff. And, um, and I was just like, you know what? I'm not feeling centered. And so I did that. And me and me and mother nature were tight. So we spent a lot of time together and yeah. I'm feeling, I'm feeling refreshed. I'm feeling renewed. I didn't complain once during all these tech issues. No, you didn't. And I appreciate that. <laughs> Neither did our guests who we're going to introduce in a second. Um, and I, and, and I think that's a, a, a huge part of you get, getting centered, <laughs> you know, and, and becoming one with yes. yourself Yes, yes because, yes, yes. uh, you know, I think <laughs> previous to like uh, a month ago, I probably would have got the ill curse out. <laughs> oh, you know? please. I've never. Yeah, ever. No, you have. Have I? I think you have at least once. No, not, not for real. For I'm, I'm, I, let me say say this. I haven't been on the receiving end. Oh of it. no, you never. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you've seen it. I've happen. seen it. Oh, for I've sure. Seen it, and yeah, I yeah, don't yeah. want to be on the receiving yeah, end yeah. of it. No, no, no. Yeah. No, you won't. You won't be. We're fit. We're we're family, but like we talk through it. Yeah, we absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So, I'm just um, I'm super excited today. Uh, we have a, a really dope guest. Uh, he's eavesdropping. Yeah, he so. is. He is. He's eavesdropping. He's been <laughs> patiently waiting. We appreciate him so much for working through our tech issues tonight. Um, but we are so excited to have him on. Uh, me and this guy, we we kind of go back a bit when he, during his time here in Buffalo. You know, him working in the in the political realm, and um, he's a past change makers thirty on the thirty honoree as well. So Where? I got you know definitely got to plug that for sure. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's, it's crazy. I was gonna do like a formal. No, no, no. We no. I was gonna let you do that too. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, but I, I just had to give my own personal plug because like I know this guy. I, I'm just like I've seen this guy just go from where he was in Buffalo to the amazing things that he's doing right now. So I just had to give my own personal plug. But by all means, can we get the fo- the formal introduction yes, of our we're guest? Yes, we're gonna get the the formal introduction. But I just want to say. Um, that I think Paul and I go even further back. So I just, I, this is this is just a so who, who just knows go, yeah, Paul better. Have a battle <laughs> of who, go, who goes back further with Paul? Yes, yes. <laughs> Paul knows which side of this argument he wants to land on. So <laughs> no, I'm, I'll let you have it, yo. Say, I, I want, I don't want that smoke. So <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So, um, so Paul is near and dear to both of our hearts, but um, he's also kind of a boss and in a very literal way. Um, So he just started uh, his own lobbying firm out of New York City, out of Brooklyn, called Leading With Our Values. Uh, And his bio uh, goes like this. Paul is an experienced public affairs strategist with a demonstrated history, working with political campaigns, labor unions, local and state governments, and companies in the private sector. He specializes in grassroots lobbying, coalition building, community organizing, Grass Tops Advocacy Campaigns and Elections. Born in Queens, New York, Paul graduated from Ohio University with a master's degree in political science, focusing on political representation in American politics. He has worked for mayors and state senators and on um, presidential campaigns. And um, he also, in another life, worked as a public affairs strategist for one of the largest lobbying firms in New York State before he founded his own blackity black owned lobbying company. Come on, let's go, let's go blackity black. <laughs> Called Leading With Our Values. Paul. Welcome to hey, the show, bro. Hey, thank you, thank you. And first, I just want to say that the energy and uh, the chemistry between the both of you is so incredible for the show. I love the the banter, the back and forth. This is like this is fun. Like I feel like I'm not cool enough to be with y'all. I gotta up my cool game. I need a leather jacket next yeah, time I'm on with y'all. You got, you got the shirt unbuttoned, bro. So you you're cool today, brother. Actually, he buttoned another. He had more unbuttoned. I made him button yeah, his shirt up. Yeah, he's trying to. This is a family show, right okay? Now. This is a family show. But no, welcome to the show, man. We really appreciate you um, being on today. Thank you, thank you, thank you, for, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely, man. So like I said, we, you know, you and I, we we go back a bit. You know, we worked in, in government at the same time. You know, you were working for a state senator here in the area. I was working in the mayor's office and, um, you know, our paths crossed um, quite a bit. And like I said, you know, I had some, some personal relationships with you as well with the, you know, having you being honored for Changemaker Study in the 30. So uh, kind of talk to us a little bit about your journey, though, because, you know, you came here first um, from, you know, from I, I believe it was Ohio. Um, and then came over to Buffalo and then, you know, you've been kind of traveling around a bit. So kind of just kind of talk to us a little bit and talk to our audience a bit about it. Yeah. So even before I get there, what I will say is that that night I met a woman from Buffalo. Her name was Nina Bird. We got involved in a couple of projects and I know everyone knows the Bird family in Buffalo and we got involved with, um, a magazine project and then some other stuff and, um, through that, we've remained friends for years. She's now out in Portland, Oregon, mm-hmm. um, with our branding and marketing agency. Uh, and I was actually out there last November before 
um, right after the campaign was done, I went to hang out with her and her husband. Um, I wasn't able to attend their wedding, so I, I showed up there instead. And I had some other friends in Portland and Seattle I wanted to visit. So I showed up for a week, and I met one of the top lobbyists in Portland, Oregon, who was convincing me that I should move out there and, and start doing some lobbying work and, and just said, look, there's, the field is wide open here. And I kind of met her, uh, the, the senior black crew or the, 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 the whiffet black crew out there with Nina and her friends. And I just had a blast for an entire week. And I left there thinking, I don't, I don't know if that's the route I want to go, but that's interesting. And I was hearing some of the things that they were doing. Um, roughly a month later, I met someone um, randomly through, uh, or I should say met someone. I was invited to an event, and at that event, um, I uh, uh, was convinced to, or, or was offered basically um, a week or so later, a couple weeks later after attending this event in New York City to join a lobbying firm. Um, and so I guess I'm saying that to say, you never know where the paths cross and what opens up uh, a, a new path for you that you didn't think was possible. Um, and so it was just like visiting an old friend from Buffalo who's now out in Portland, basically opened my eyes to like, maybe this is the direction I want to go. And up until about a year ago, I was still kind of going down a different path. And this happened and it was, it, it really just changed my life. And it's, it's just fascinating how that happens, but also um, a connection to, to both. I know I worked with Shatora on, uh, on, on that project too with Nina and we, Matt, Nina, and I met at uh, 30 Under 30. So that's wow. you being the connector, Jamil. Wow, that's dope. <laughs> that's super dope, man. Yeah, and shout yeah. out to and Nina so, and her sister Lauren and that whole family. Yeah. They are doing an amazing thing. I know my girl Lauren is uh, down in Philadelphia right now doing her thing. And like you said, Nina is out there in Portland with her husband. And, she, you know, they're just an amazing family, man. Yeah. And, I, and I was just so um, grateful to be connected to, to the both of them and yeah. their the entire family. Yeah. So so I, I'm, you know, glad we were able to make that connection, you know, at, at that event, you know. Yeah, and I'll, and I'll say with, with my path so far, it's been – um, it's been all over the place and I guess this is not advice time, but for, for me, at least <laughs> for me, at least it's kind of like, I, I try not to say no to opportunities mm. and try to keep pushing, um, the boundaries of what I want to challenge myself as to what I can do, what I can accomplish. And, mm-hmm. um, and luckily along the way, I've had some incredible friends and family. And people that have kept pushing me along because um, I left uh, after high school. I've been basically living on my own and traveling from place to place and from job to job. I mean, Georgia, the Buffalo, North Carolina, Rochester, New York, um, Brooklyn. It's just been it's been a whirlwind. Um, Ohio for some time too, actually working on a campaign. Um, And at each point, it was just kind of like pushing myself more and more to what I could do. And, and, um, my first job out of my master's, I was, um, a campaign manager. I had this great title and all this stuff, but I was working for room and board. And I actually went into debt, thousands of dollars of debt, my first job out of college. And I, people don't, I I don't often talk about that because you look at the resume and it's just like, Oh, you've done this and you've done that. And it's like so much of what I've done. It's just been me kind of pushing myself to the limit. Um, and sometimes doing it without, without much of the safety net at all. Um, and just being uncomfortable, being comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm. 
and that's it. that gives you that gives you a grit that you can persevere when things get tough. Um, I can't tell you how many. Uh, I mean, even with um, a, a new client that I just picked up, it's a friend of mine um, introduced me to this person, and this friend of mine I met when she was in New York City, and I was up in Rochester doing some work, and she. Um, she was working on this campaign and I was doing some work with um, a local uh, minor party and I was basically overseeing her project. Wasn't getting paid for it, but just decided I wanted to pick up extra work because that's what I do. And then through that, we became friends a couple years later. She was incredible on that campaign. A couple of years later, I was able to give her a great recommendation to move to Rochester to run, um, to run a campaign for a, a countywide office. And so me, um, her and her boyfriend and myself, like we all became really good friends and they were out of part of their like crew hanging out. They were part of my crew. And then I moved to New York and we were up doing protests again together back in Rochester. And then a month or two later, she gives me a call while I'm on the phone with a client. She's like, Hey, I got to give you this. I got to tell you something. I got to tell you something like there's this incredible client that I need to speak with. And it's just, it's just incredible how those connections form, but also, doing going that extra step and not saying no and and this podcast and all the work that you've done Jamil and, and you Shatora it's just it's it's emblematic of what I'm talking about of, of just young professionals like not saying no and seeing that next challenge and pushing forward and 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 finding the new ways to to achieve new heights that you didn't know were possible. And yeah. So both of you are an inspiration to, to me and to so many other folks out there. So I want to say thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Paul. <laughs> love you. So I was, I was writing last night because that's a part of my like getting back to basics. And what I was writing was about letting go <clears throat> and how we like in order to move forward, you have to let go. And, um, you know, I was talking about relationships and jobs and experiences and friendships. And sometimes um, we 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 get stuck in a place because we are holding on to something that isn't for us anymore in that time. You have to let it go and it'll come back to you if it's meant for you. But if it's not meant for you set it free. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's what I was, that's what I was musing over last night. And, and I listening to you, Paul makes me think about how you've had to let things go. I know career wise and relocation wise, and you've been in comfortable positions. You've been in uncomfortable positions and um, you've still been able to advance by letting go. So I don't know what city you want to start in, if it's Buffalo, if it's Rochester, um, or maybe your latest experience in New York City. But can you talk a little bit about how you've advanced your your own personal mission by letting go? I, I think that I feel less of that in terms of employment, and I feel more of that in terms of um, I've been incredibly lucky to move to different places and to find community and to find people that have really accepted me as, as part of their own. And, um, Buffalo is a great example. Um, I not, I not only had one, I had two Buffalo moms who I'm still in contact with to this day who were mentors to me, who brought me in for Thanksgiving and for Christmas and for whatever the holidays were knowing that 
I mean, I'm one of seven uh, of seven siblings and or six six kids or one of seven seven kids have six siblings. Family all across all over the country, and we all are almost all of us are in different states, and we don't see each other often, and it's and it's tough. And um, it's I mean, even this year, this year has been absolutely horrific in in terms of so much family stuff going on, and us not being able to be together together and. In each place, I've had people that have brought me on as, as sisters, brothers, as a son, as whoever. And that's always the hardest part, actually, for me is because I, I feel like I, I, I gain such close ties um, with people. And it's like every time you leave, it's like kind of that traumatic experience of, of, of leaving your family again. Um, but in so many ways, the people that I've I've moved on to different cities or different experiences. And, um, instead of sometimes at first it feels like I'm being ripped apart from family again, but over time it, it's like those bonds actually grow stronger in, yeah. in a lot of ways. And there, there are people that were kind of just like the day to day and you say hello and you say goodbye and that might not stick around, but, um, there are other folks that, that really even grow stronger and, and are part of your community and the life you, you build. And that's really what, what keeps pushing me along. But in, in terms of employment, um, I guess I kind of see that a little differently. I, I see it as, I, I know that years ago, people would go to a, a job and you you work there for a number of years, you get a pension, you retire. And I and I get that. And the closest I probably came to thinking, maybe this is my path, was at the um, New York State Teachers Union. I worked there for five years and I really did feel like I built a, a work family and I had um, this incredible woman from Buffalo. I'm sure both of you know her, Louisa Pacheco. Shout out to Louisa. She's an incredible, incredible person. I can't speak highly enough of her. Um, all of her family knows that I call her my work wife and I still do. Um, we were just so close and, um, and she's still part of my family, but um, I, I gained such incredible bonds with people and um they really set things up there to, to try to keep people um, so that you are happy in your career, that you're doing good work, but also that you feel secure enough that you don't have to go jumping around. And so it is, it is, that was one of the places that I left that I really felt like I had to let it go because it was very easy to be comfortable. I was making decent money. I was making very good money. Let me back up for my, for my age, for my, like for everything. It was just, it was an incredible experience that the, the work I did and, and the jobs I had and, and the opportunities that came my way. And so leaving that was, was actually really tough. Um, and that was, that did feel a little bit more like letting go, but, but in some ways, um, again, I, I had so many people that I worked with that I, I did make, I wasn't shy about the fact that there were other things I wanted to do with my life and they knew that. And so at the time when I was ready to go, um, I had some people that were, that were sad and upset, but I had so many other people that were like, Paul, go fly. Mm-hmm. Like, we got your back. Like, let so, me know whatever you need. And, and it's still like that to this day. And can you talk about what's on the other side of that? Cause even when, you know, you've gone kind of like from West to East in the state and each, each move, like you left a community in Buffalo and then you left your community um, in other cities. Uh, but you also gained when you, when you made those moves. So when you moved to Brooklyn, 
you know, you were moving for a job and now here you are a business owner. So can you talk about like making those leaps and what's on the other side of what's on the other side of that fear? Um, it's the unknown. It's uncomfortable. Um, sometimes it hurts. Uh, it's not easy. I've left relationships. I've left, uh, seem like family members. I've, um, I guess I can say it, uh, I don't know why I said, why I said it like that. Um, I, right before I left, um, a year before I left Rochester, I, um, let me back up. <laughs> Three years, um, about three, four years ago, um, I became close friends with some folks in Rochester and um, we were friends for a number of years. And about two and a half, three years ago, before they got married, they asked me if I would, um, if I'd be interested in being a donor for them. And I thought about it for a while and I was like, well, I don't, you I don't know be, if I ever want to have You have to be kids. more specific. <laughs> what type of donor uh, you, are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, you have to be more specific about donor, Paul. Oh, it was uh, good friends of mine. They were a lesbian couple and they were getting married and they, they were looking for someone and they, Ooh. and we, yes, yeah, so we had a lot of conversations about how to, like what it would look like and how involved I would want to be and everything. And, and so they got married and, and I, go ahead. That's just my baby daddy. That's just my baby daddy. <laughs> yeah, but no, so we, we, we became really close friends and I was actually romantic with them for a little bit and um long story short, we um after about five months of trying, um, they got pregnant and then I left Rochester, I believe January seventeenth was my last day there, and the kid was born January third. Name is Joel is an incredible kid, and that was really strange and whoa, <laughs> wait, 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 weird. <laughs> and yeah, he's got no. I mean, the, the the point that's strange is to be like two weeks after a kid is born and you're leaving to a different city in a different part of the state, and then the pandemic hits and you're not hanging out, and all of the things that was going that, that have been going on this year. It's just been everything has just been so odd and strange, and even that part of feeling like I'm helping to start and then I'm also leaving like that it, again it, it just felt so traumatic but also me understanding that upstate New York western New York will always have a special place in my heart and and I do go back and, and well <laughs> once the pandemic is over I, I, I plan on going back I plan on visiting often um and been the here amount since of the pandemic hey 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 it was your fault, Tatora. We went hiking. Don't <laughs> so pretend otherwise. Um, <laughs> but but I just I just feel like that that part of the state will always have a special place in my heart. And and I mean just I mean I'll give another short, quick story. Like so, like, like I mean in Buffalo, like I remember being there and going out on dates to Niagara Falls and going to Canadian side and and being like, yeah, I, I live in a city where. In 45 minutes, I can be in a date in another country. Like, that was that was pretty cool. Like, it, it's just, there's so much that West New York and that entire region has to offer. But um, back to, like, leaving, like, it, it, it really was a lot. But I was able to um, work at a lobbying firm, and one of the big things that they helped to pass this year was a surrogacy bill, um, which helped uh, couples that wanted to adopt kids or had kids through 
surrogacy or to sperm don- donors or whatever, um, like, like my friends, um, although they were the ones on the birth certificate, the night that the kid was born, I was actually flying back from Jamaica. I had, I, I was in the Jamaica, Panama, Mexico. I went on my little tour for my birthday. Um, and so I was on the way, the night I came back from this like birthday tour, the kid was born. And so they were, they were there at the hospital and I mean, they're on the birth certificate. They're obviously the parents and everything. And, um, they would have had to, I would have had to sign away the rights and they would have had to like fully adopt the kid. But just all this ridiculous process and thousands of dollars that they would have had to spend. But instead, a month later, I was in Albany, um, advocating for the surrogacy bill and, after that was passed, they were able to adopt a kid with no problems and not paying the money. So again, just like how these different places I've been, I've been able to help my friends to advocate on their behalf to do good work. And I mean, it's just, it's all been just an incredible uh, cycle and, and an incredible labor of love for me with my, with my work. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm just like, I'm just mind blown. <laughs> <laughs> like, cause he talks about it so casually. Yeah, like, I mean, it, I, what, what was the name of that movie uh, with um, Anthony Mackie? I think it's called like, she ain't, she ain't me or something like that. And uh-huh. th- it was like, this was exactly that type of situation. Like I was, Paul, I was not so, expecting this, bro. <laughs> I wasn't expecting him to divulge this yeah, today. Like, wow, wow. Like, what a- this is what the B-Suite is all about. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> so one of my favorite tropes right now in television and film is the awkward black girl. Mm-hmm. Because I so identify with the awkward black girl. Um, Even though there's nothing awkward about you, but okay. I'm very awkward. Wh- whatever. Okay. okay. That's just my baby daddy. That's just my now anyway. you're being awkward. We're okay. <laughs> so, but like it's it's like the nerdy kind of heady, you know, alternative person. Um, and like there's not one way to be black, right? You know, um, and the media has set it up where black is this thing that everybody thinks and you do whatever. I'm not even going to feed into that nonsense, Mm -hmm. but Paul is like, he, he busts through all barriers and boundaries of what you think is normal, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, really has even me personally. And I think I'm an open-minded person, Paul, uh, just because of how, how, beyond open-minded he is has helped me to become an even more open-minded expressive person uh because he is what i would consider like the ultimate renaissance man mm. i'm not gonna ask you to sing yet yeah, but it's gonna I, go I was, listen i was <laughs> gonna go there too but i was, I was gonna wait until we're, the we're, gonna end wait. Of the show. we're gonna wait we're gonna wait <laughs> but um jesus i remember the first time paul was like i'm gonna sing and I was like, <laughs> and then he started singing and I was like, oh, Whoa. <laughs> oh, wait, wasn't ready for that. I wasn't, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. I was like, oh, I'm going to have to clown him to my friends later. This is going to be nope. funny. He no, that down. <laughs> okay. Anyways. So, but my point is just that, um, you know, a, another part of what I was writing about yesterday was how sometimes Um, You know how we always say like people come into our lives to serve a purpose Mm -hmm. and then maybe they exit or whatever. That was one of the things that I was writing about as I'm like journey, like journeying through my my spirituality. um, I'm coming to grips with sometimes maybe 
I'm now just serving a purpose Mm -hmm. in somebody's life for a lesson. And that it kind of reminded me of what you were saying about having a child or or being a part of bringing a life into this world. I really don't. I see this is me being awkward. Um, and, and that's like that, that you, you served a, a very important purpose. Like that is one of the reasons why you were there when you were there for that reason. Um, and I'm just like, I, I really think that what you've done within the last month has been extremely courageous. I might've tried to talk you out of it. Um, I don't remember, but I know that we had some conversations about what you've recently done. And I want you to talk about that. And I also um, want you to talk about the op-ed that you just, that was just published. Um, so yeah, uh, today there was a, there's an op-ed in the Gotham Gazette. I, don't, I am a black lobbyist. My profession must change. Um, I don't even know where to start with this. Um, okay, so let me ask you say, a more leading ahead, question. Is <laughs> why, you. you're welcome, why did you decide to leave your firm? Which was a great job, absolutely f- phenomenal job. Why did you decide to leave that job? And let me add to that, it was the best job at that point that I've ever had until <laughs> the pandemic hit, and everything was, was, a, was, a, was a problem. But I think that I found um, that I enjoyed my work organizing. I enjoyed my work in labor unions. I enjoyed my work on campaigns, working in government. Um, at each point, I, I've, I've enjoyed the work I've done and really feeling like I'm pushing um, pushing the ball forward and, and what's possible in terms of, of fighting for justice. And, and I've been... Over the last, uh, oh, sorry, it's, it's hard to get into. Um, I was working and doing lobbying work and trying to figure out the industry and working with civil rights organizations, nonprofits, um, tech companies, companies in education and healthcare, and as I said, the services bill we did. Um, and I feel like I was doing some really incredible work. And even before I get to kind of like the, the moment where I decided to, to move on, um, I think I worked with some really incredible people and they were, they've, they've had long careers, um, working in government, working in other advocacy organizations. Um, some of the folks like were leading the charge and helping to bring marriage equality to New York state. I mean, you have uh, some, um, some some folks that work there that have just been really like pushing to get more women involved in politics, um, working on um, issues with the black community and, and equity and justice and just really incredible work. And even beyond the experience that kind of pushed me to where I, where I went, I, I think that, again, embracing the uncomfortable, the uncomfortable was really a big part of of what I think helped me to get to where I was. And, and I will say too, like the, another part of it is, is the creative side of me that has always been there. And, um, I think a lot of people don't probably don't know this, but I actually started college as a voice major and voice, voice performance. And I, 
been an artist and a musician my entire life and um, still perform uh, when I can. Uh, once this thing is over, I hopefully to get back in the in this wedding band. Um, but I love I love that creative side of me, and in and in some ways, it's like I know you said earlier the conversation was like, what are the things you let go? And I and I guess I see it somewhat differently that um, sometimes there's every day to day people that you're you're going to miss, like the person around the block at the, the corner store that you stop by, and whoever else that, that, that folks you play basketball with or that were in a band with you or whatever it is. And, and, and they're folks you're going to miss. But I see it as I've kept a lot of my close friends and, and former colleagues. Um, I've just become closer to them over time. And instead of letting things go in a lot of ways, I've just been able to embrace new and more and it's enriched my life and made my life um, a much more pleasant experience. And, and, in some ways, it was really scary to jump off that cliff and to try to start my own thing. And in other ways, it was just, I talked about it with a couple of people and they, and it was just part of it was to me, for me to check in and make sure that, um, and I'm not even saying this in a, in a joking way. Um, with all that's going on this year, there are a lot of people that have gone through a lot of mental health crises and, some of this was me calling people to check in to make sure that yeah. like, is this a really a good idea yeah. or am I full of it right now? Um, and as people kept on pushing me closer and closer to the edge, I felt like I had a jump, but someone really close to me said, um, actually, I believe it was Nina. She was the one I was speaking to. And she said, Paul, make a plan. Do not wait. At first I was talking about waiting a year or maybe six months. And she said, no, Make a plan now. Come with your perspective for a second. Work out your business plan. Make sure you're ready to go by by uh, end of the year, December. It was like three or four months she was looking, she wanted me to, to plan for. And I was like, all right. Um, once I made this decision, I was going to jump. She was like, Paul, you can't lose here. Um, this is an incredible experience you're going to gain. And even if you... Um, even if you, even if this doesn't go as planned and you have to go back and get another job somewhere else, the experience you're going to have through this process is invaluable and you'll be so much, um, whatever employer you work with next is going to be so much, so much more happy that you're there with them. And, and for the experiences you've gained, it's just, she says like, there is no losing. Yeah. You, should, you, you have to go do this. So Paul, and, uh, I want to read because I really like I read your your op-ed and I've I think I've read it twice or three times now and it's it's so amazing and it really tells a a part of your story that I didn't know until I read this so I'm going to read the first two paragraphs because it's amazing it says the Friday after George Floyd was murdered I sat in my Harlem apartment seething for the first time since 2012 I could not join the protests the lobbying firm I worked for asked me to review a city council hearing and take notes for a client. No capacity to pay attention. I just took the notes. Civil rights organizations spoke. Law enforcement agencies followed. One legislator after another yelled louder than the previous about racism, the prison industrial complex, and companies making ungodly amounts of money from the system. One of these groups was a client that we worked on with different issues, but... As the hearing was nearing the end, 
the company I was taking notes for was called out by name for charging exorbitant fees and fines to families with incarcerated loved ones. It stopped me in my tracks. My confusion turned into a blinding rage. So that was a turning point for you, right? I mean, did that help you make a decision about the kind of world you wanted to see and and how lobbying could help affect that change? I... The answer, uh, it was a start. Um, I, I think this year with the global pandemic, with 45 in the White House, with all the craziness that's been happening, um, I've seen myself as uh, one of the folks in my family that, I guess, keeps things together. And whether it's financially or emotionally or whatever it is, um, my family, yeah, I, I've, I've always seen, I think later in the piece, I talked about how my siblings are always my biggest critics. I'm actually the middle kid, so I have two brothers and a sister older, two brothers and a sister younger, and they challenge everything about me, and we do that to each other. It's all in love, but... Um, my parents were immigrants, and um, my dad actually passed away before he became a citizen. My mom became a citizen a couple years after uh, he passed away. And I, we didn't talk about politics growing up, and we didn't discuss mm-hmm. Republican, Democrat. It doesn't matter. There the, the general consensus was that it was corrupt, and no one works for us. And it's almost like my entire life, my, my entire career has not only been try to um, be be there for my family, uh, but also to kind of prove them wrong in a way, I guess, to, to say that there are good people out there and, and there is a way to change the system to, to make it work better for us. Um, and just kind of not giving up hope that, that we can have a better world. Um, and and so I guess even beyond that incident and everything in the op-ed, it was kind of like when I decided to start this new firm, I remember my mom telling me, because I grew up in a very, very conservative religious household, and um, my mom and I don't see eye to eye all the time on politics or whatever else, and we have an incredible relationship, and, um, and she always tells me that she doesn't care what I do and just make sure that uh, <laughs> make, sure, <laughs> make sure I'm I'm doing what I think is right and, and that I'm whatever I'm gonna do I'm gonna make her proud. Yeah. Well I think you're definitely making all of us proud. Yeah. I know that like even me personally watching you take on um this this new journey in your life has uh, motivated me, you know, to take more risks and um, to to look forward to the future, not only for what that means for my own life, but also how how I can make a difference for my own community. What about you, Jamil? Yeah, um, 
let me say this too, Paul. Um, I think that, you know, even from afar and, you know, seeing how you've been moving um, over the last, you know, several years, especially yeah. since you've left Buffalo, it's it's been super inspiring, you know, and and from especially to see a, another black man, you know, moving the way that you move, you know, we won't necessarily sometimes see eye to eye with our parents, you know. On oh, I can tell you. Listen, I, I mean, because I can like, tell you, I've, I've had some. You already know. <laughs> my mom and I are. We do not see eye to eye yeah. when it comes to certain politics, especially certain local politics and such. But yeah. Um, but you know, she, that's you know, she's still my mom, and I and I still love her, and and I think the fact that you know that you are, you know, the, the way you're moving right now. You, you might not see eye to eye on certain on certain things, but I'm I can be for damn sure that she's she's so proud of you, you know, yeah. and the way that you um, that you're conducting yourself as a man. And and honestly, this the change that you that you are making and, and the impact that you're looking to make um, and, and, and that you are making, yeah. um, you know, with the, with the work that you're doing. So, um, you know, I, you know, I think. You know, you are you an incredible you are an incredible black man. <laughs> well, yeah. you you already know how I feel. It's funny because I text somebody last week and and didn't have like the the proudest moment with this person and I apologized and I was just like, "Listen, I'm just trying to break generational trauma here." Right. Like I'm just trying to break through this generational trauma. Um and you know, sometimes I might call it a generational curse, but I think one thing, especially as black people, that there's a lot of pressure from our parents to believe, to worship, to think, to act, to do how they prescribe yeah. for us. And um, we, we, it, I mean, just the, the, the kind of generation that we are, we're not, we, we just, we have to live an authentic life. Yeah. We, we, have, we have to have our own voice. We have to have our own voice. Like yeah. that's really important to us. And it took me, long enough to get here I ain't going back but I can still um you know love and be proud of all of the things that I've been able to do um and the bonds and the and the relationships um that have been built from having shared experiences mm -hmm. because a lot of us have have this experience it's incredible yeah absolutely so I mean I think you should be super proud of uh of the man that you are, the, um, the man that you are becoming, uh, you know, you're, like I said, you're doing a, a yeoman's job of, uh, of just representing, you know, for your culture. Um, and really, like I said, just making that, that impact, um, through, through the work that you're doing. So, and, and again, that you're inspiring people, even you might not even necessarily know because sometimes we're so in the trenches of oh, the work gosh. that we're doing, oh my gosh. but you know, and you never know who's watching you and you know, you, can I tell y'all a story? So um, I don't really do much on Facebook, but apparently mm -hmm. there's an inbox on Facebook. Oh, Lord have mercy. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And I need to get you. I need to do a social media tutorial for you or something. Please. She's like, oh, so, do you still poke someone? <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, that was on sus anyway. Right. But So I was on Facebook the other day and I was like, oh, I have messages. Look at that. Oh my God. It's a it's a treat. Anyways, so I checked my messages and I got a message from a woman, believe it or not, who I fired. The only person I've ever fired um, but you know, sometimes it just has to be done. And she inboxed me. It's been four, 
four years or longer. And she thanked me. And she said, when, uh, this goes back to your point about you never know who's watching. Mm-hmm. Um, she said, you know, I've been seeing all of the things that you're doing for the community. And I just want you to know that, like, you did what you had to do. And, I, and I'm better for it. Mm-hmm. And I wish things ended differently. But, you know, you're a special person to me. And, I, and that, to me, like, first of all makes me trust myself a little bit more <laughs> and my intuition. Mm-hmm. Um, but not because you just cast people aside, mm-hmm. but because you know when something's right for the other person. And sometimes you have to make tough decisions for people yeah. that they don't have the courage to make for themselves, right? Um, so, I, you know, I don't bring up the firing because it's something I, I'm proud of by any means. Mm-hmm. But I say that to say, even if a situation um, ends in a way that isn't favorable at the time. Uh, hindsight is twenty twenty, yeah. and as long as as long as we remain people of integrity, then when people do, when others do look back on what happened in that moment, mm-hmm. you know, they may might be able to see more a different vantage point, a different perspective. So you never know who's watching. People are always watching, and so mm-hmm. that's why. Um, that's why we have to move with, with such intention. And Paul, you're definitely moving with intention. We're, we're about a week out from the election, which it's not election day anymore. It's like election election week year. It's election (laughs) year. And you're someone who's like heavily involved in politics and, and you've always, um, you've always gotten people out to vote. So do you have any, any um, advice, any insider knowledge, anything to say to young black professionals, young black people um, as we're, as we're gearing up for this uh, really historic election? Um, I think a lot of the advice you gave already is really good in in terms of never know who's watching and um, who you can inspire along the way. And, um, I think I, I'm. I'm not even sure who, who said this quote, but it's it's always the it's always the right time to do what's right or mm. to do the right thing. I'm paraphrasing somewhere there. Is that Obama? I'm not sure. It's <laughs> I'm a dope quote. Sure. Whoever said it. So <laughs> yeah, and 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 sorry, I, I'm literally going off of two hours of sleep. Um, and so I get a little bit more emotional sometimes too when I'm not sleeping. Listen, but. this is the real life of an entrepreneur, honey. Okay, this is it. Okay, yeah. you're seeing it now. But, yeah, but even with like what I was saying before, my I, I, I just some people aren't happy with with me talking about this publicly, and um, I'm not even talking about people I I've worked with or met along the way. Um, but I do hold dear to my heart. Um, because in some ways it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't compare to, uh, the conversations and, and trauma my family's been going through. And so I've gotten a lot of, I've, I've had quite a few people reach out to me today and share nice texts and, and things on social media and the people, uh, that I don't know added me as friends and, and talked about, uh, it being brave what, what I wrote and put out there. But the truth is that my, my family has been, uh, suffering a lot today and, there's this there's this push to be to show a certain side of your family to the public 
I'm sure I'm sure all of you know what I'm talking about. Oh, uh, what happens at home stays at home. Oh, absolutely. You don't yeah. tell family business. Yeah. That's like every <laughs> black household. Facility. Absolutely. And um yeah, it's just no no one is happy to to read that uh, in the paper or online and so I know that they're going through a lot. And so I it's been a lot, but I think when you asked earlier, like what is it? Like, how is it to let go or to make that change or to make that leap? And in, and in some ways, it, I didn't have a, I don't feel like I had a choice. Mm. Um, it didn't matter how much money I was making or mm. what I was doing. Um, at the end of the day, um, it's, I, I haven't been doing my work or whatever it is. It's not, it's not the people that are around me that are seeing or even sometimes the people that I may encourage or inspire to do more. It's, um, in a way, in a really weird kind of selfish way, like a lot of the fighting that I've been doing is, is for my family, for mm. people that I that I love and that need it. That there's there are not enough people out there. So many people where we're we're pushed in our current society to take what you have and just run with it. Um, to kind of be that person is to get out, and then you don't care about who's behind you on that ladder of opportunity. And it seems, it seems almost as a weakness to look at others and to see people who have reached down and helped bring people up and, and, and to see that as kind of a, a flaw in our current system, in our capitalist system, in our extreme capitalist system that likes to promote greed. And I think part of what I was doing is, is not only for my family, so not only prove that, yes, I, I can do this with, integrity as best as I can. Um, but also understanding that the things I want to fight for, they may never, it may never directly help them. But when I'm doing the protest or advocating for certain issues, um, it's my family that's in mind that I'm thinking of, that I'm fighting for. And, and I want there to be other people to do the same thing. Um, and, and I think even with the lobbying industry, for me, part of the changes that I want to see made is to say that um, we are stronger when we lift each other up. And there's so many generations in this country of, of us getting ahead by, by at, if not oppressing others, at least turning and looking the other way when others are hurting. And mm-hmm. we all need healing. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a weird way, that's kind of how I feel about the lobbying industry. I think there's so many people doing good work um, and when it's time to not look the other way, um, too many people look the other way. And I think that what I hope to do is to provide another path that you don't have to do this anymore. Um, and we can heal the world. We, we, we can make things, and it, <laughs> it sounds so ridiculous to say, but if that's not how we're going to think and, and if that's not how we're going to approach our work then we'll never get anywhere we'll always be the crabs in the bucket pulling each other down and I don't want to be the lucky crap that get out of the bucket um, <laughs> I want to be the one uh, helping others get out and, and, right. and lifting us all up together um, and and not in a way that's harmful not in a way that's overlooking the, the, the work that we all need to do inside of ourselves but um, just really trying to, to to say that there's there's enough for us to share. There's enough for us to enjoy this world together. Um, and at some point, some of us have to 
look back and say like we're not gonna we're not gonna keep on with this and, and in in a weird way with traumatizing our own selves and our own families and our own communities um and, and that goes for so many business leaders elected leaders i mean people all over the place that um we see and we look up to um including one of my one of my earliest mentors which um mm. I'm gonna get into but um, people that I just saw that had an incredible amount of talent and expertise and access and just an ability to do so much good, but instead um, were too focused on, on getting ahead and securing their own retirement. That in the end, um, they're destroyed by the same greed and um, the same vices that, that they were trying to escape. And, and that's not that's not the path that yeah. I want to and I, And I think that... A couple of things. I think that now we're at a place where like all of our creature comforts more or less are met through the advancement of technology. Mm-hmm. Um, number two is that we're a more connected society for better and for worse. But the better is that, you know, um, there has been more of a normalizing of being different, if that makes any sense at all. But, you know, being black, being trans being you know being all these things that were so fringe before are now more widely accepted and um and that's a beautiful thing we can find our community um out there and we're we're represented more than ever um and i think just as we wrap up you know it hearing you speak i totally understand why you named your firm leading with our values because First and foremost, as we reimagine what governing looks like for ourselves, for this nation, um, the first thing that has to happen is we lead with our values. That's the difference between the the world we want to see and the way that the world has has been, um, because a value system is something that doesn't change no matter how all of the external factors change. The the best illustration was in Stephen Covey's book um, where he said the your values are like the beams that go down in, in the foundation and the concrete is poured around them. They're, they're never moving, right? And, and so that's why we're fortunate to have someone like Paul really, really getting into politics and government to impact and influence change and really like stepping out on a limb, being able to um, communicate with our new, this new wave of, um, of, of progressive politicians and, and, and really kind of being like the lobbyist for millennials. I, I think it's pretty dope, pretty cool. And congratulations on all of your success now and yet to come. So, and, uh, and um, and one thing that I wanted to mention as well, you know, 2020. I mean, we've talked about this uh, several times tonight. How this year has just been just trash money, a, a strange, strange year. Garbage. It's just been a, it's been a, a very challenging year for so many reasons. But one of the great things that I think that, that you know, I was just talking to someone earlier today, and I was letting them know that you know, out of every bad situation out of, out of every tragic situation there's always some good that we can extract from yeah right and and i think the good that we are going to be able to extract 
from 2020 is that, you know, you just mentioned this, like this whole reimagination of, of how we need to be doing things. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially if you look at our politics right now, um, there needs to be this this reimagination of how we govern and how, you know, and, and how we go about, you know, um, our, our politics on a day to day level. So and I think what you're doing right now, bro, um, with the, the the voice that you that you are um, putting out there to the world. Um, you are doing just that. You you are helping us to reimagine what you know politics needs to look like. You know, from twenty twenty one and beyond. So you know, we thank you so much just for the work that you're doing, the impact that you're making. Because because again, like I said earlier, you never know who's watching you. You never know who's watching you, and, and people the, and, always watch. Yeah, and people are always watching you. And the impact that you are making right now is is something that I think is going to be infectious, and I think is going to be something that's going to be used for for the for the good of our of our communities for our people and we're going to really start to see some incredible change happen and i think it, it you know it, it really comes from a lot of the work that you're doing as well so you know we thank you we just thank you for all all that you're doing right now and thank you for sacrificing a little bit of sleep for us too so <laughs> we know you're running low on sleep we know you haven't slept in a month so yeah and i just i just want to say too that that i had three hours three essays I was going to publish. A friend of mine said, why don't you publish an op-ed? I combined three essays into one op-ed. Five days, I'm not even kidding without sleeping and working with my speechwriter and researcher and uh, a number of reporters and journalists. And um, and I shopped it around to all the major uh, publications, um, the state and national ones, and it was the, basically the second half of the op-ed that was published. And no one was picking it up. And about a week and a half ago, uh, the editor of the Duck and Gazette was just kind of pulling and trying for more of a story and more examples and whatever. And last week, I just I just decided, I was like, all right, I think I know what he wants. And I basically rewrote it and added in basically the first half. And it was published almost word for word as, as to what I wrote. And um, I think, I know that a lot of folks are going to focus on that first half of the, because it's the personal story, but but. Really what I, I, I see is the, the second half is a lot of the substance in terms of um, I don't want people to just focus on what's going on in, in my story, but it's really understand that I, I really do believe that there's a lot of change that can happen in if, if folks really decide that they want to do it. Um, in terms of political professionals, um, there's so much good that can be done, um, whether it's talking about reimagining public safety and when it comes to the economic crisis, I mean, all the things that, that are that are facing us right now, we have people that are connected to the business community, to the nonprofit community, to the legislators um, that have a lot of clout, that have uh, um, that have a lot of pull and a lot of leverage to, to move these systems in a, in, a, in the direction that we want to go as a country. And it's just, it's, I, I'm hoping in some ways that, that this experience, although um, I, I, I completely understand that there are a lot of people, I'm sure, that are also watching this expecting this to fall in its face and, and for me to fail like this. Oh, don't Either say that. We don't put that out there. No, we don't put uh-uh, that out there. We don't put that out there. Uh-uh, keep that energy. I don't mind it, though. I, I honestly don't because it doesn't matter in some ways to me. For, for me, it's just what has to be done. That Someone has to try it. And it, it, there's that famous quote, it's, it's always impossible until it's done. I believe it's, uh, that's a no, no, I'm paraphrasing Nelson Mandela now, but it always seems impossible when, until it's done. And I've, at first, I, I mean, even before the business started, I, I workshopped the idea with, I wrote it down, 74 friends. 
that I workshop this idea with for my business. And a lot of people really gave me a lot of pushback when it started and said that there's a reason why no one has done this yet because it can't be done. And I would not let them off the phone. <laughs> like just until, uh, until by the end of it, they're like, okay, all right. If anyone's going to do it, you're going to do it. And so I just want to say like, thank you to everyone who's helped me and plenty of folks from Buffalo that I workshop this idea with and Rochester and all over and my friends from Ohio and Portland and Seattle and North Carolina and just people, literally Canada, people from all over um, Toronto that, that, that had my back and that, that pushed me forward to keep going and, and kind of turn this rate, that, that rage I had, the blinding rage into this moment of creativity and, and rethinking and reimagining. So, and thank you so much for having me on for all the work y'all do again. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> Nah, this was dope. This was a really good conversation. And, uh, you know, anytime you want to come back to the B-Suite podcast, you're more than welcome. You know, we want to extend that invitation to you early, you know, to talk about the great work that you're doing, you know. So, oh, before we go, before we go, um, can we get him to sing something real quick? I mean, I mean do you need a warm up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to get some yeah. tea or something? Like, you want like, me to do good? harmony? Uh, no, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> We're asking Paul right now. I mean, I, I, I know we're putting you on the spot right now, bro. But you know, can we can we can we can we get a little something before we before we leave? Honestly, I'm singing this through my phone, so when the audio does not come out correctly, I need people. To it's, to it's us. That. We'll cut it out. We'll yeah, cut it out. Know. We'll edit it out. You got it. I was born by the river in a little thing. Oh. I'm just messing up the lyrics. I am so sorry. I'm tired. <laughs> Yo, listen, you're going to put me, two hours of sleep right now. Again. Take two. Take two. All right, here we go. Here we go. I'm actually going to go a little bit higher. I'm gonna, so anyone that's listening, I, I understand. I'm changing keys now. <laughs> it's been a long, long time coming, but I know change going to come. Mm. Oh, yes, yeah, do we? Such a chocolate. Yo, this is he is a modern day renaissance, renaissance. man. Renaissance. Come on, man. Come on, brother. <laughs> now nah, we appreciate you, man. Now like, you, you, you are an amazing talent in in every which way. Uh, the work that you're doing is is an ama- is is amazing. Uh, obviously, you are an incredible talent with your voice and everything. So, man, like again, we appreciate you so much for uh, taking out the time, working through our, our tech issues and everything tonight, and mm. just being and just being here with us tonight. Serenading us at the end, yeah, man. Come mm. on, and mm. with that, and with the Sam Cook too. Come mm. on, mm. change gone. Come. Nah, we appreciate <laughs> you, brother. Thanks, you, thank you so much again for uh, for checking in with us, man. All right, what is your website? www leadingwithourvalues.com we're going to make sure we put that in the notes you as need well. PR you need some lobbying call Paul yeah he, call he's, he's Paul he's your man for it yeah so. and I just want to say thank you Jamil for all of the wonderful tech set up in the production and cruise control on constant blink project blink <laughs> <Cruise laughs> project blink <laughs> 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 
Um, and that all of you all should go like, follow, and subscribe to the Be Sweet podcast um, on all of the podcast platforms. Mine is Spotify. My platform of choice is Spotify. But whatever your platform of choice might be, on Instagram at Be Sweet Podcast. On our Facebook, Facebook at, at the Be Sweet Podcast. And on our website at the Be Sweet Podcast.com. Punto com. Um, so thank you everyone for tuning in today. We love y'all. We'll see you soon. Peace.